It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock MBA. Today's guest is Austin Knight from Waterparks. You may know them as one of the, I don't know, latest and greatest pop punk bands. They've been around for a while, but really only in the last four or five years have they just totally taken over as, I don't know, Austin's been on the cover of Alternative Press like eight times or something. And there's a reason for that because A, the band is very good, and B, he's a fantastic frontman, super charismatic, really funny, smart, thoughtful guy. And I really couldn't be happier for it to happen to anybody else. I've actually known him since uh, I think 2011 or 12. We talk about this in the show. I remember when Waterparks was just a local band, like grinding it out, trying to make it happen. And so I've been incredibly excited to see them get to where they have. And we talk about exactly how they did it. This stuff is super relevant for anybody that is trying to get any kind of project off the ground because he gets into detail about the specific exact tactics that they used when they were nobodies, just trying to get anybody's attention and how they eventually kind of turned the corner and signed with the Madden brothers from Good Charlotte as managers and how that kind of unlocked a lot of things for them. I always love hearing these kind of details. And if you're a fan of water parks or just care about developing a band or really any kind of business, then you're gonna like this one too. Before we get into it, I wanted to mention a couple ways that you can support the show if you are so inclined. Number one is you can support us on Patreon. Patrons get access to every episode a week early. There's a members-only Discord server that I'm in. I am started doing patron-only Q&As. There's a way to have me review your band or video or design work or anything else you want to get me to take a look at. You can also buy some merch. We've got some new stuff. It is out at the link in the show notes. And of course, sharing it on social media, that really helps a lot too. So with that out of the way, let's get into it. Austin Knight, welcome to the podcast. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Yes, thank you very much for having me. I am, I am a very big fan of the show, as you know, so this is, this is very cool. Well, I'm a big fan of water parks, so we're even. We did it. Well, the first question I have to ask you, uh, because I got 9 million DMs about it, is uh, the the one that you proposed, what is life like after being the tallest person on the cover of AP? I'm gonna tell you, it's very good. It's very bright here. It looks like I'm in heaven. Also, on that latest AP, um, where they put, you know, like different people on it. Yeah. They made me the same height as Haley Williams. And I was like, what? She's like 4'8". <laughs> <laughs> well, you're 4'9". 
Right. So, I mean, I should be at least a little taller. Yeah. <laughs> I had my, I had my Google search. Well, I got like someone changed it cause I tweeted about it, but, uh, for, for a good six months, it said I was seven, three on Google. Oh, that's funny. I love how, it. How tall are you? Like five, four or something? Dude, I'm five, nine and three quarters. Come on. If we round up, that's a five, 10. Really? Yeah. Really? I thought you were shorter than that. I swear to God, Otto, our drummer, he's really like five six, but I like to say five four. <laughs> it's nice. See, that's a power move. Like, I like to get people's names just slightly wrong. Like, if someone's <laughs> name is Justin, be like, Jared. It's great to meet you, hey, Austin. I want you to meet my good friend Jared here. I, I I love this guy. Jared, meet Austin. He's like, I'm Justin. I'm like, Jared, nice. Yeah, Very exactly, nice. <laughs> exactly. I like those kind of subtle power moves just to right. let everyone know. You know who's uh, who's important here. That you're just like a little above them. Exactly. Oh yeah, no, of course, Justin. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so sorry. Of course, <laughs> I knew of course. that. I'm, I'm, that's, yeah, that's no. on me. I, I love I love your work. Remind me what band you're in again. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's like when you're on Warp Tour, like in your first year, and you say yes to all the interviews, and it's a bunch of kids with phones, and they're like, "So, what's your band called?" And you're like, <laughs> right. oh, "So, how long have you been in Neck Deep?" <laughs> I'm like it's been ages. <laughs> we had an uh speaking of neck deep, we had an awkward uh experience. I mean, I I think I like neck deep, but I don't follow them super closely that I'd recognize them. We were uh backstage there cuz a friend of mine was doing something with them and uh Lynn was wearing a neck deep shirt while we were talking about neck deep and it turns out the drummer of neck deep was standing behind and we weren't saying anything bad but like okay. he was he was standing behind us the whole time <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah then somebody mentioned that afterwards one of my favorite videos or was for a long time like when i was younger was uh that there's a video of a couple fighting outside of uh, the taste of chaos tour and um bert walked by from the use and said something he was like Bravo. and the guy's like fuck you and he's like you're wearing my shirt that's my face on your shirt. And I was just like, ah, like when I was like 15 or whatever. That I, was like my favorite thing. I always think about like celebrities that I would meet at the airport or something and what I would say to them. Like, you know, if I met you, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm a huge fan. You know, I love Neck Deep. Will you sign? I would just, can we take a picture? I'd be like, yes. I'd be like, B E N heart. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, there's a, a lot of things that I wanted to ask you about, but in particular, I just kind of wanted to connect the dots between, uh, you know, the first time I heard Water Parks was when you sent me, I guess it was probably one of your earlier songs, maybe around 2011 or something like that. So 2011 would have been, oh yeah, we had, we had like one demo. I don't know if it was, I guess it was, yeah, we put out, there was one demo out in 2011. 2013 at the at the latest, or 2012 rather at the latest, because I know I still lived in Ohio. 2012 is when we actually had like our like demo EP. Um, that was recorded in uh, this dude's garage that we were like sort of friends with. It was like a mutual friend who lived in the middle of fucking nowhere, just ultimate redneck land. We had to drive like hour and a half to get there. Dude, actually, a real weird thing um, about that, and this this goes a little a little deeper on it, but. I was quitting community college, right? And so I was just like, you know what? I need to be able to focus on this. Like, you know, I can always like go back and blah, 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 sure. whatever. And, you know, my parents were very upset about that, you know, because they're, they're, I mean, my dad's a nurse, my mom's a teacher. Like they're very like, they do like jobs, you know what I mean? Yeah. But so my knee had been hurting for a while and I found out that I had, it was benign, but I had a tumor under my kneecap. Oh shit. Yeah. 
And I was, cause I was like, you know, I would jog, I would go like do, I was active. And I was like, why does my fucking knee hurt? And I realized, so they said my kneecap was like this fucking thin, like there's like nothing left. So that was the reason I got to make the EP was because I couldn't go back to school. My parents were just like, ah, okay. And so I was just like on the couch and I like wrote it all. And then I'd be like on crutches and friends would give me rides like out to, we recorded it in a place called New Caney, Texas. Very just like, like food world was the story. You know what I mean? Like some weird, everything's just right. like kind of off. There was a subway right. though. We did eat right. there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's what made us, you know, or like made me have the time to be able to do that. Like gave me that. And then Jeff and Otto, our guitarist and drummer, I got them shortly after that. So that way we could actually like play shows. Yeah, so the EP dropped that April. And I think that's, I probably would have sent it to you before, like maybe like February. Something like that, I don't remember. Yeah, and then our first show was August of that year. Got it. People send me sent me stuff all the time back then and almost all of it was awful. And I was, you know, expecting this to be awful too. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Yes, thank you. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward a couple years later and I see, you know, Water Parks is getting all this, you know, coverage and AP and, you know, next big thing and all this. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so connect the dots for me between what happened, you know, from 2012 to, I don't know, what was it, 2014 or something like that? Were you 2015 is when people started to sort of pay attention. And then 2016 is when things were like, because we actually, you know, got to announce a signing and we're like, hey, we're on this. Now we're managed by this. Now we got this. We're going on our first tour. Like, so, I mean, this is like a real story of a local band from, you know, a an uncool place, you know, now being where you are. So tell me, tell me what, what happened in the meantime. Man, it was a very, very long time of not knowing and kind of convincing yourself, like, like, I'm going to do this, like. Dude, it was, there were some hectic times. Like Jeff, his girlfriend at the time, hated the band, did not want him to do it. She wanted him to quit really bad and go work for her dad. She just didn't like him doing music at all? Yeah, she didn't like that he was, you know, mm -hmm. spending time at like band practice and stuff instead. Right. So what I would do was promote constantly, bug people constantly. What I would do is I would look at all the venues in Houston and like for the next two months and I'd pull up my notes app and I'd be like, okay, on this date, this person, this, 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 like these shows. And I would make it a point to be, I mean, preferably with one of the other guys cause it's good to have backup, but yeah. Flyering or passing out demos at every single one of those. Cause I, I, I was thinking about it and I was just like, okay, I don't want to be the dude that's just spamming people like, you know, with the fucking paragraph DM that no one wants to see <laughs> with like four links. But right. when you can actually make that connection and like, let's say there were a thousand people at whatever show it was, or even just like 500, sometimes there were less. But if you could talk to or give flyers to like 300 of them and talk to, you know, 40 of them, you would probably retain like 15, 20 people. And we just sure. did that constantly. So every time, you know, the story so far, whoever would come through, you'd go to the show and just exactly and shit out. So I will say though, people like the story so far, like that hardcore brand of pop punk. Well, no, they hate you. That's right. Yeah. Yes. They, they were <laughs> not easy to promote to see, dude, that's, that was actually a thing from the very beginning of the band. Like local bands were not fucking fans of us at all because that was around the time 
all the hardcore dudes were like ironically like newfound glory sick yeah yeah exactly the same people that would have hated them in in 2000 exactly so all of those dudes ironically made bands that like a lot of them are still stuck in and they're like fuck we hate pop punk uh. yeah <laughs> but those okay that was the second hardest to promote to the worst show we ever promoted at and this is this is my fault i was just like you know what maybe we'll get some passive music list like just regular radio music fans who you know we might whatever it was the only time we've ever left promoting before everybody had like you know before like all the people were gone yeah. it was chevelle and bush <laughs> <laughs> and i was because i was just like you know what maybe like some sure fucking, yeah some kids are here that you know only know a few radio songs and they're just gonna be like cool a band yeah no it was horrible like you know just the most like red skin beard right, right. <laughs> sunburned like angry just no we're like oh shit like here you check it they're like no um and then there was one guy in a blank shirt at that show and we're like him give one to him and then that guy was like oh i play bass like we should jam sometime and he like wouldn't leave us alone about it and we're like, dude, we got to fucking bail. Like, let's get the fuck out of here. He's like, give me your number. We're like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. My phone's actually not working right now, but. Uh, I don't have a phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so we, what we would do is we'd promote outside of every fucking show. I would use all of the money I did not have to try and, you know, burn CDs that had like a few of our songs on it. And um, if I didn't have money for that, I would do just flyers. You know, this is not that long ago. You could have done all this online. Is it just because you didn't think it would be effective? Or why did you choose to do things the hard way like that? Well, see, I was also doing it online like as well, like in, in off time. You know what I mean? Like I would still, you know, I was, I was very, you know, on Twitter, very, I was on Tumblr, yeah. I was on Facebook, I was doing all the stuff still. I mean, I, I understand we're not, it's not the 90s. I'm not just going to be like, here's a flyer. Yeah. 50 people show up. Um, but still at the beginning, 50 people, that's a lot. It is. What I, I had heard a piece of information. It was from, you know, actually, I think it was um, 21 Pilots' manager. I think I had watched an interview where he said, or read an interview where he said something to the effect of like, conquer your hometown first. And then you'll be, it's like, as long as you can prove it's like a proven concept at that point right because like if you can't even win over your hometown then how are you supposed to win over you know someplace on the other side of the planet exactly so I, that really stuck with me because i was like you know i can do all this which i you know i still did i still hit people up like hey i got this check it blah 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 like i hit up you yeah you know i think i think even like at and them have all those early emails where i'm like and it's like way too long and yeah, right. I, I thought about remember it when point. austin knight was a punisher <laughs> <laughs> I do, but uh, that's that's before I learned. I was like, okay, look at it from their side. They just want to see a link and yeah. be like, that, I mean, that's what I did with our, you know, I'll get to the labels and stuff. But the idea here is like to demonstrate momentum locally so that other people will go, okay, they're, they've got something going on in their hometown. Maybe I need to pay attention to this. Exactly. Because so what we would do is promote a lot then. And I, I've been doing local bands and stuff since I was like 13. So I knew how it all worked. I started skipping the promoter part and just like renting out really small like the smallest venues possible because it would be like 500 bucks you know yeah. it's very cheap and then what we would do is i also made it a point to make sure music was out before we did shows you know because nobody like you can be like fucking tight but if no one knows your songs they're just gonna be at the show like yeah right you know like i want i wanted people to know it before we did anything that's why there was like a four-month gap before the first show like between the ep and then that 
Yeah, so what we would do is we would, you know, rent out these 125, 150 cap venues and then just sell them out. Like every time, like our first show was. And that made promoters go, oh, hey, like they actually sell tickets. So like. Yep. Because they don't really give a fuck how good you are. They just want to know that you can sell tickets. They need tickets moved. That's all it is. So they started giving us opening slots for like people that were coming through like touring bands. We'd get to be like one of four on some kind of lineup. Like I know, I think our second or third show we opened for on the Chiodos comeback thing mm. when they came through town. Mm -hmm. When uh, they were like, Craig is back. And Do you yeah. remember that video? That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I know I don't. Oh, it's so good, dude. You're going to fucking freak out when you watch it. But um, it's like, dun, 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 dun. it's like really dramatic piano. And like, uh -huh. one of the members gets in his car to like go. I mean, I don't want to spoil it. But yeah. you see, you see Craig in his house and it's very dark and moody. And this, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. And he, <laughs> I swear to fucking God, I'm not making this up. He's looking at the Chiodos album artwork on an iPad, like for some reason in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, that's really bad for your eyes. No, I know. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's it's like it's like kind of blurry and like focusing. Yeah. And it shows the iPad and it's the Chiodos uh -huh. art. And then, <laughs> and then the other uh, someone else like it shows like footsteps and then like or no knock 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 and then it shows him like like his silhouette and he goes and opens the door and it's the keyboardist and they're just staring at each other for a second and then Craig goes let's do this. And then he's like, and I just thought that was the funniest shit in the entire world. It's like one of those Bruce Willis movies where they're like, yeah. we need you back. He's like, I told you I'm out. I'm over this. Like, John, yeah, I don't but... know what to tell you. They've, they've got your daughter. God damn it. The monsters. <laughs> See, but instead of, instead of, you know, saving the life of like, you know, a government official's daughter, it's like, we need to play the metal court. <laughs> right. Right. So anyway, that was a mega side mission. No, that's what we're here for. <laughs> I know we opened for You, Me at Six, and Cute is what we aim for at a show. Actually, You, Me at Six's tour manager yelled at us a lot because we went over by one minute exactly. Oh, God forbid. Yeah, I know. And he was like, get the fuck out of here. We're like, okay. <laughs> well, I guess they're pretty big in the UK, so maybe he's sort of, you know, has those expectations. See, there were like maybe 400 people there in the US. They play like uh, hockey arena type venues in the UK, I think, don't they? Do they? I think so. They're one of those bands that, you know, Alexis on Fire plays these huge venues in the U in Canada and plays tiny little clubs here. I think it's one of those. But anyway, yeah. So you, you, so you successfully climbed the ladder there to getting those opening slots for those touring bands. Yeah. So, you know, people kind of started paying attention because of that a little bit. And we just kept doing it. And it would just be like, every water park show, sold out, sold out. So I mean, I didn't you know, specify. It wasn't like, by the way, it was only 150 cap. But I was like, no, every, every fucking show sold out. A lot. Sometimes, you know, it's smart to leave out certain details like that. Yeah. Well, you can let perception... people, you don't lie, but, you know, yeah. you just sort of round up, <laughs> I like to call it. Yeah, but dude, perception is fucking everything at that point. You know what I mean? And I mean, at any point. So, I mean, as long as you can say like, hey, our last five shows have been sold out. Like someone is going to pay attention, especially if they're also signing bands that do a lot less than that. Well, I mean, f selling out 150 show, 150 people, you know, at a show when you're a local band is not nothing. Yeah. So, you know, I, like I said, I would rent the venue. Then I would also print the tickets off, like like a physical ticket off like, yeah. those ticket design sites. Yeah. And then be like, hey, you're going to be at this mall at this time, this mall at this time, this one at this time. What's up? And then people will be like, okay, cool. I'm going to meet you there. 
and they'd you know get two or three tickets blah blah you do that for a few weeks and then the show is sold out oh nice so that's how we did that in the beginning and what was the next inflection point after that it was funny because when we very like in the very very beginning local bands were all like yo we should we should play a show and then when we started doing that they were like fuck you because i want <laughs> originally <laughs> originally i wanted our first show to be uh you know they do that warp tour like ernie ball battle of the band yeah to get, to play your hometown i was like our first show should be fucking warp tour that would be cool and they were all like you haven't earned your your key. Yeah. I'm like to play the local slot right. on one day of Warped Tour. Shut the fuck up at 11:30 a.m. Exactly. I'm like, dude, let Kevin fucking just like punch me in the face. Like, who cares? But those were the people that like you know. I mean, they would they would call us like all kinds of things. But one of the things that stuck with me was like, it's just this fucking boy band. Girls just like it because they're cute. And I was just like, hmm. So I started putting boy band on our shit, like right. God's favorite boy band type shit. I think that made it worse, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's, you know, if people care one way or the other, then I think it's worth leaning into that. Mm -hmm. The worst thing is just being ignored. Exactly. hundred percent. That's not to say I'd love to be extremely hated. Like I don't want to be on like some six, nine shit. But <laughs> no, but, you, but I mean, you can't help it. I, I didn't mm -hmm. realize this until, you know, a couple years uh, yeah, it took me a while to realize, like, oh, there's a, a lot of people who hate water parks because, you know, I don't know you super well, but I mean, I've we've known each other for a while and I've always thought you're a, a nice, thoughtful person. I was like, people hate them? Why? Only cool people or dudes with facial hair. <laughs> like, if you're really into Bayside, you're going to fucking hate us. Right, right. So, if, <laughs> so if you're old and bitter... Mm -hmm. You will not have fun. <laughs> so, yeah, those those were difficult shows to promote at. To, you know make money i was actually like babysitting for this family for a while and then i would also teach guitar lessons every day i would, like okay so i would watch these kids from like three to five or six or something and then i would teach guitar lessons after that and that's how i would make you know like it wasn't very much but it was enough to like pay for gas and like get flyers and like cds and stuff you know and coffee but um yeah we just kept doing that and then you know rewind a little bit I kind of thought about it from the other side. I was like, I wouldn't want to receive a paragraph from someone I don't fucking know. So I started right. being like, I picked a few labels that you know I thought kind of made sense at the time, and was like, Hey, my name's Austin. I'm in this band called Water Parks. Um, we're about to drop this music video. If you like it, I've got some more demos I can send. Thanks. You know, just boom, just that. Equal Vision and Fearless hit us back. Hopeless did not, but when we did our last album with them. They pulled up those emails and I was just like, ah. <laughs> so fearless. They didn't really like no shade, no bitterness, sure. no anything in this at all. Like I really don't care, but I don't think they thought we were like ready to be like fully signed. They're like, you know, we could put you on like a developmental thing and get you with some songwriters. I was like, nah, I'm good. Uh -huh. Cause equal vision was just like, Hey, we like what you're doing. And I was just like, good enough for me. Yeah. I mean, that was such a shitty deal, but, um, we, uh, did it. And then it, dude, the timing is so nuts. About a week later, Benji Madden found us online and was like, look, he, watched, he said he watched all our YouTube videos. And was just like, oh, crazy. Okay. Like, I wonder whose parent is involved with this mm -hmm. or who's, you know, whatever. You know, because we would make music videos and stuff. So mean, meaning that he thought it was too good for you guys to be doing it yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. I think that all the time, too. Like, here are certain bands. I'm like... There's there's two chances, two possibilities here. Either this kid is really, really fucking talented, or <laughs> he's like a total fraud, one or the other. 
<laughs> and you know, it goes both ways. It really and does. Yeah. You just never know. Well, cause a lot of times, you know, people get signed and then they like won't announce it for a while. And they're like, right. No, we're just going to say you're unsigned, but you know, we're going to give you some, some YouTube money. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. But you know, if you go back and find their old shitty demos or whatever, and you can still tell it's the same kind of songwriting fingerprint, you know, that's when you know it's it's the real deal. Because, right. you know, you can put somebody with a producer that'll make it, that will polish it, you know, but it's not going to change their, like, fundamental, you know, like Mest, for example. You know, their stuff has always sounded the same, whether they work with John Feldman or not, it sounds the same. Uh, and you can kind of hear that. So I do think it's interesting, though, because I think exactly the same that, thing that he did. Whenever I see somebody that's small, that's really good, that's my first thought is who's paying for this? Or is this person actually one of those like undiscovered like diamonds in the rough? Right. And that's the thing, dude. It's it's cool to find that stuff. You know, I, I get DMs with a lot of music and occasionally I'll find one and be like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, I could see that doing something actually. Yeah. By the way, shout out to that mess song, dude. I only know one song and it's so crazy. It's fucking like Oh yeah, Cadillac. That's a great song. I was yeah. like when I heard that fucking It's a great song. It is. I was just like, oh. you know, I think Benji and Joel wrote on that. It wouldn't surprise me, but Tony does write. I mean, he is he is the real songwriter in that band, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were involved. I listened to a lot of that episode actually, the other day, actually, and he, he he seems really smart. He seems like he's got his shit together, like like he's got like family stuff going on, like a house. I'm like, dude, fuck yeah, I love I love seeing that with people in bands. You know what I mean? After I haven't like heard from them in a while. Yeah, especially after 20 years, you know, you, I think you either end up being that guy or end up being, you know, in kind of a sad place. And It could really know. go either way. Yeah, and I'm always happy to see, you know, when it, people end up like Tony. Yeah. All right, so I was at babysitting one day, day before, I got a DM. It was either Benji or Joel. I forget which one. They had the same profile picture, so it, like, it's weird in my brain. Right, yeah. They were just like, yo, your shit's so dope. Like, like you should you should come out or something like that. And I was just like, like, like come out to LA. And I was just like, I was like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> the girl I was dating at the time, like straight up had a good Charlotte poster on the wall. And I was just like, oh, I was like, it's them and they're in my phone. Ugh, ugh. I was like, this is crazy. I feel like people now, like younger people don't know how fucking big good Charlotte was. I don't think they know. <laughs> in their In their prime, like early 2000s, they were fucking huge. Well, dude, I'd be getting dressed in the morning for school, like, I remember I started seeing their videos on like VH1 and MTV in like fourth, fifth grade. And I was just like, this is the shit. They were the second album I ever bought. So like for them to hit me up, I was just like, and then our A&R at the label called me the next day while I was at people's house watching the kids. And they're like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, I mean, I think teaching, I've got a couple of guitar lessons and blah, blah. And they're like, okay, well, do you want to, come to LA and have lunch with Benji and Joel. And like, well, I was just like, yeah, I can, I can move the guitar lesson around. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll reschedule that. So I called the guys. I was like, guys, okay. We got to fucking go tomorrow. Uh, I had barely ever left Texas at this point. Like I'd been to Florida a few times. I'd been to Ohio because my grandparents lived there. Texas, Florida and Ohio are the same place with different weather. It's true. That's true. But Florida's a little crazier. Like a it's little true. Bit. It's true. Florida's like at the top of that. Their headlines are the fucking best. <laughs> but um, so Jeff and I went and bought swimsuits because we're like California. <laughs> uh, we went to Coles and bought swimsuits. <laughs> and uh, yeah, next day we uh, flew out at like five thirty a.m. We met them and it was just like, yeah, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Like there's this hotel called the Sportsman's Lodge out here. It's like they filmed the Phyllis's wedding 
from the office at that place. Okay. I, I know the name. I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah, but uh, I walked in and I was like, seems fucking familiar. And then figured it out after and was like, ah! Yeah, we're all just in the room like, holy shit, this is weird. Like, you know, just, <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. Sure. And then went out, talked to them. Like, you know, like had lunch and stuff and just talked about goals, what they do, how they were starting their management company. At this point, you had signed the deal, but not put anything out yet? Yes. Got it. So we had, I mean, we had our self-release EPs, but not, we, had, we hadn't announced the label. We hadn't put anything out on it. It was like maybe two weeks before we signed it. Okay. They, they were like, you guys want to check out like some studios and producers and blah, blah, And I was like, yeah. So they sent us to try writing with a couple people and it was so bad. I was just like, I don't, like, cause I mean, I'm used to just like sitting here and being like, okay, that's that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, it was the strangest thing. Especially when it's people you don't know. Like it's one thing if it's like your friend and you're like, Hey, come over on Saturday. Let's work on some shit. But if it's somebody you don't know at all, it's a strange experience. Especially when like, you know, they've written hits on hits and stuff. And then you walk in and you're like, like, yeah, I was working with Demi Lovato yesterday, so please don't waste my fucking time. Yeah, I know. So it was like, it was very, it was very just like, oh, this is like kind of not fun. And then they were like, so are you liking doing it? Like, you know, like a couple of days later, I was like, you know, it's kind of tricky, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, mate, like, can we like hear what you've been like, like some demos? And I was like, sure. And I played them some stuff from that would end up on the EP called Cluster. I played them Crave, Territory, and Matt all the time, the demos. And they're like, oh, okay, hey, you don't need to go to these writing sessions if you don't want to. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so yeah, we made that EP for like $3,000. Like budgets were just not, yeah. like just be- was fucking non-existent. We'd go out there and on and off for 2015, 2016, early January is when we started touring and then just didn't stop until this pandemic. <laughs> Got it. So the it seems like uh, hooking up with the Madden Brothers was kind of the big turning point that really like unlocked a lot of this shit because, you know, obviously they're super well connected. They know how this is done. And, you know, having people like that on your team is a a big deal. Well, dude, the thing is, since they've been through it, they know like what they like, what they like, what not to do, you know, because they've been so on the other side of it that like no decisions are made just because of like money. They're like, because there's like, Mm -hmm. like, like the wrong decision won't be made. And they don't like, they'll never, ever like make you do anything. They're just like, Hey, here's this opportunity. And they, they might even be like, I don't think it's the right look. Like it, it is this, but like, you know, whether it's like a tour offer or like yeah. a sponsor thing, or they're the best about that. Cause I've got friends that, you know, have complained about their managers or managements or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, I don't have those issues. That's crazy. I mean, a lot of managers, I feel like all they do is just say no to things. They're just like a wall between, like, I wonder how many of these artists, like, do you know how many things your manager has said no to that you would probably be like furious about? Things that you would have liked to say yes to, but you didn't even hear about? Mm, That that would drive me up the fucking wall. But yeah, they're, they're really good about it. Usually, so... I, I moved out here because that's, you know, where the offices and everything are. So it's, it's fun because I'm able to just go over there because it's five minutes away yeah. and be like, hey, I want to do this and this. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so they're like, okay, let's, uh, let's have Miles get started on that. Can you talk to, you know, um, it's, it's like, it's definitely very, like, it's like a nurturing, creative thing yeah. rather than like a, 
please tell me what's going on kind of thing. What would be some of the specific things you, you'd say you've learned from them? So much, dude. It's probably hard to know where to even start, but... Dude, because, yeah, that's the thing is, like, I hit them up, like, like they're so much more helpful than, like, any therapist I've had or, like... What's something, that, like, a specific thing that they helped you figure out that you could talk about? I definitely had slash kind of still have, you know, it's, it might not be, like, a healthy mindset, but of, like if you're not working right now and somebody else is, someone's working harder than you, they deserve yep. it more and blah, blah, blah. So it made me like a very compulsive, like I'm always working. Yep. I feel exactly the same way. It's very hard for me to just like chill out and do something that's not quote unquote productive. See, exactly. Because then you're sitting there thinking like about like what you do need to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's a whole fucking thing, but they, they taught me about like, you know, make sure that you're right. Like make sure Austin, the person is like good because as long as that root, that core is good, everything else that you do is going to be that much better. And I think, and this is a separate one, but a really important one that they taught me, because the reason I brought that up is because it made me very competitive. And what they like really like instilled, and it's taken some, it's taken like some years, but it's that like everybody can win. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not like, oh no, if so-and-so gets this tour and does these numbers and, you know, gets like, these opportunities like that's not taking anything away from me you know what i mean and like everybody is always like everybody can always be expanding and growing it's not it's not a matter of which one of us is gonna like be able to get out because it can only be one like it's not like that maybe in like the micro it is like if two people are up from one particular tour only one person could have that slot but in the macro that doesn't matter it really doesn't like, and that's, that's the thing you have to think about how, and like some things will affect you in the long term, but you really have to like consider it, it like, like big picture. You have to be able to step back because like one thing, and I still, I still deal with it. I'm going to give you a visual example. Like say this right here is my project. This is what I'm working on. And I'm kind of like this all the time. Like, ah, but I got to do this. Like you have to be able to like look at it for what it is. Yeah and be like oh this is the big picture okay so i can still do this like you you operate on such better levels once you stop freaking out about you know what other people are doing so i think everybody can win and it's very easy to spend all your energy focusing on what other people are doing and be kind of reactive and like oh they put out a song like this well should we like i do that with videos all the time it's like oh so and so started doing videos like this you know, should I do that? And, you know, I, I think that I have, I, I learned that lesson a while ago, so I don't think I go down that rabbit hole too much, but I do sometimes find myself feeling that way. Like just because three other channels are doing it, well, I should probably be doing it too. Right. And I have to remind myself, well, not necessarily. The other thing is just because other people are doing something doesn't mean it's successful for them. Right. Well, dude, that's, that's another thing is like, you know, with certain bands or artists or whatever, I mean, it's, currently being so propped up by you know massive marketing budgets that like their labels are doing or whatever like you don't know exactly how things are going on so it's important not to put too much stock in it especially like mentally because you're just going to drive yourself fucking crazy and it's going to take away from whatever you're working on yeah yeah it's going to take away from doing the thing that makes you great well i wanted to ask you a couple other things kind of uh 
specifically about I think your your mindset because on Twitter and Instagram you know you're you're a silly entertaining guy which is great but I feel like people don't necessarily know that you're as thoughtful and smart as you are and in particular you know there's this boy band kind of you know uh, I don't know if what the right word is like reputation you guys have but you don't strike me as the kind of person that particularly enjoys that kind of attention or dynamic you know some people really like that you know they really like being the guy in the boy band i i get the 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 impression that you know that's not what you're after not that you hate it necessarily but like that's not what you're after right see i don't hate it but i've also learned because it's you know it, it was pretty not i mean not to say we're doing like the biggest shit in the world from day like you know like immediately when we started touring but you know, we've always had people be very obsessive. It sounds negative, but like yeah. we've had people be very like into what we're doing and get very enthusiastic. Yeah, very, very enthusiastic. And I've also like I've and then I've watched those same people like you know turn completely and be like, "Fuck you!" Da-da-da. Like you've exactly. changed. Like you never even knew me. Like it cuts both ways. That's the thing. Is like you know these uh, there's some of these you know, actual celebrity types whose lives are scrutinized to every detail and they get mad. The fans, you know, are, are scrutinizing them. And it's like, well, that's who you are. Like you, you don't <laughs> get to have one without the other. You know what I mean? Like mm. the fact that your fans care about what shoelaces you're wearing is what enables you to start a shoelace company, uh-huh. which is cool. But then on the other hand, that also means that if you wear shoelaces they don't like, they're going to come after you. So you don't get to have one without the other. And I try to remind myself of that. Like, I'll say certain things and people blow up my comments. But I'm like, why do you give a fuck what I think? And then I'm like, well, but I want you to give a fuck what I think. So I can't be mad about this. Dude, dude, even I fall for that sometimes. Like, watching Fantano give some of my favorite albums, like, a five. I'm like, you bitch! (laughs) And then I'm like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) How dare you? Yeah. So the thing is, I like it's it's good to it's good to have like a hundred percent. I wouldn't change it, but it's also important not to put too much stock in it and like care about it. Like let it affect you in a positive way too much and be like, yes. ah, they love me. Exactly. Because- that's that's what I mean. Like you see some of these people, especially in that like late two thousands kind of generation of warp tour bands that definitely fell in love with you know the spotlight in a way that I think was not healthy and certainly not good for their music. No, definitely not. And yeah, so that's that's the whole point. It's just you do have to acknowledge it. You do have to treat like, you know, it is what it is, but you can't let it like dictate too much of your your mental because it can be so fleeting and it's so devastating when you see people who are like, you know, you did this, like you helped me so much, like I like I'd wanna be like you and you're like, what the fuck? And then they're like, Yeah, what the like fuck you like over nothing and you're like yeah jesus and like that does that does a lot to you it changes you and so like over over time i've kind of learned to and it sucks because like i don't want to i don't want to not appreciate things or like fully value things for like you know as big as they may be to some people at that time yeah but just for my own sanity, it's important to... That's what I'm getting at, is like, I guess, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this nicely. I think he says, don't believe all the negative stuff or all the positive stuff. Yeah, there was there was a quote that I read that was like, 
you're not as good as people say you are, but you're also not as bad as people say you are. Yes. And I, that, that stayed with me. You know, it's natural. Like if you are a, you know, if you're the, the front man, front woman of a band, like you want to be in the spotlight and you want attention. And of course you're going to value that. I mean, just the same as anybody that puts themselves in the public eye. But I think, I think it's a natural inclination to put too much weight in either of those two things. I, I see how it fucks. With, I mean, I see how it fucks with my own, mental health and sanity let alone people that are way more popular than i am Mm -hmm. that's totally it and like nobody like there's not really a way to prepare for it either i mean like i told you like we barely ever fucking left texas in our lives i saw snow for the first time in like 2016 like and so when it goes from like no one giving a shit like i mean i mean i you know this goes without saying but if you're in a band you probably weren't very cool when you were in school and everything right and you know you go from that your whole life to suddenly a bunch of people are like, you are my favorite person. And you're like, whoa, and it like, feels good. But like, it takes you getting knocked down a few times to like, kind of like compartmentalize yeah. what they have going on. Be like, okay, this does have a place, but it's not like embedded in me. Yeah, of, of all people, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know him personally, but it seems like Chris Motionless thinks about that stuff pretty well too. Does he? Yeah, he he made a uh, Tumblr post years ago that I remember. It was at the height of, you know, the uh, Savior Core thing when a lot of those metalcore type bands were doing that that whole thing. And uh, he wrote this post saying, like, don't tell me that I saved your life because I didn't. You saved your life. If you like our music, that's awesome. And I appreciate that. But you don't know me and I appreciate your support. But, you know, basically believe in yourself, not me. Dude, I have said that same thing. I need to go find that post. It's so important for people to get, you know what I mean? Like, because that puts so much on you. It's crazy because then, I don't know, that, that, that like creates a pressure. You're like, oh my God, like all these people are fucking, their lives are in my hands. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's not good. Right. And, you know, they mean well by it. And a lot of them are coming from, you know, they're, they're probably not in a great place. And that's the reason why they're like reaching out, you know, for, you know, inspiration or whatever from people they don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's gotta be a really difficult, uh, spot to be in. But first a quick word from our sponsors. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. 
But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. And let's get back into it. I wanted to ask you about uh, your relatively new song, Low Key As Hell, which is my favorite water park song musically, but also lyrically. Can you tell me about that one a little bit? That's your favorite one? Yeah. That's wild to me. Is it not popular? Oh, no, it is. It is. Like, it's going well. But I don't know. I like... Like, I, I liked it. So, okay, the reason we put that out, I mean, besides it being, okay, lyrically, it was definitely like an overview of everything, which I don't normally like to do. I like to, I like to have like a concept and keep it like just concise. You know what I mean? I like to be like this and then kind of branch right. off from it. That one, though, wound up just kind of being a full overview. And normally I try and stay away, but Loki as hell is just such a cool title. Yeah. And it was either that or Drake problems. And I was like, those are both <laughs> kind of tight. I'm going to be straight up. I didn't think that was going to be the first choice, like to, you know, just come out as like a standalone thing. And I, you probably may have gathered this from, you know, this entire conversation, but I kind of micromanage a lot because even when you're, when you're smaller, like no one's going to do it for you and no one's going to sure. care as much. And so you kind of learn how to, like I learned how to make our merch and flyers and videos and this, and like all the stuff. And so I definitely have a tendency to kind of like, you know, very like, you know, all our merch designs that I make, I'm like very particular and like, you know, have many back and forth with like printers and shit. Somebody on Twitter replied to me about my merch tweet said, oh, I designed uh, all the water park stuff for a couple years. Austin is uh, very smart and very odd. (laughs) (laughs) Very smart and very odd. That's funny. I didn't think we're going to do low key like that, but we just signed a deal with 300 and you know, there are just so many cool people at that label. Like there, and there's a lot of like neat, interesting people that they just brought on. Like they brought on the dude just now who signed like fallout boy and the killers and some 41 and like all those people. And he's like, you guys. And I'm like, Ooh. but, um, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. No pressure. But, uh, give us a Mr. Brightside. Like, come on. Yeah. Everybody 
was, and I'm very like against like a group think kind of thing. I'm like, hey, you guys talk to me like one at a time. Like I want to discuss, cause you know, it's so easy for, and it has happened where like 30 people are on a Zoom and one person says something and everyone's like, yes. And then like mutes their mic again. Yeah, right. And you're like, well, if everyone, if all seven people are telling me this, it, it must be true. That's the thing is everybody over there was like, we fucking love this song. I'm like, interesting. Okay. And then, you know, Benji and everyone was like, the song is fucking awesome. And then I've had a couple of friends be like that one. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and just, I'm going to see what this is like. I'm just going to like, let go for a second and be like, fine. You know what? I want to see, like, I'm going to, I'm going to not micromanage this. I'm going to, I'm going to try and trust somebody with the reins for a second. Like, I don't know why I did a wheel motion when I said reins. Um, I'd be like the <laughs> worst rapper. I'd be like, and I'm, and I'm riding on the reins. Um, <laughs> that release was sort of an exercise for me mentally and like not controlling everything, you know? And I'm glad people, I'm glad people like it. Like I still like overly directed the video and <laughs> the second verse had like seven or no, not, sorry, not seven, uh, like maybe 10 or 11 like renditions. A lot of back and forth. That editor was just like, son of a bitch. But <laughs> I, what I've realized, and like this is why I started directing our, like all our videos starting in the last, or starting at the last cycle, like during fandom, like I did all of those. I realized, because I would do that in the beginning too, like, all, like in the earlier stages, but I realized you have so much more leeway as a director to mm -hmm. like be nitpicky because it's not right, like right, right. this fucking band guy is so fucking picky. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> the director has more notes and I'm like, you're like, well, that's what they, that's what directors do. Yeah. Straight up. So I was just like, you know what? I'm the fucking director. Like <laughs> I'm captain of the ship now. Let's go. I am the captain now. Exactly. <laughs> I definitely was still very like, ah, about that. I, I like that you like it. That's great. That's your most recent single, right? Yeah. So how do you feel now that you took your hands off the, the wheel for once? I don't regret it. Like, but I want the wheel back. I do want the wheel back really bad. Here's the thing is, I'm so, I'm very particular about things and I have reasons for the order in which I release stuff. And so, I mean, it was an exercise. Um, I don't know if I would do it again. It's not, again, no, yeah, yeah. no regrets, but I don't know if I would necessarily let, continue to let that happen. I feel like, you know, it's important to try things like that, mm -hmm. but I got plans. You know, I have tried doing the same thing various times and various different projects because I don't like other people who are like control freaks and micromanagers and stuff. And I'm like, why don't you just fucking chill out and let other people run with this? <laughs> Impossible. And, and they never do. And I don't want to be that person. But what I have found, at least with the things I work on, is like, on the other hand, people also want somebody to kind of set the vision. You know, they want direction and guidance and they want somebody to have to go, this is where we're headed. If anybody disagrees with me, please let me know. We'll talk about it. But like, I believe this is where we're headed instead of just being like, I don't know, you guys do what do you do, whatever you think is best. See, and that's that's one thing, like taking that initiative is one thing that's going to like if anybody in a band is watching this, like or anybody doing fucking anything like taking that initiative and just pushing forward, like do, do something like make a choice and like make sure it's a good one, but you know, make a choice and fucking push for it. And like, that's great. I can't imagine like, like what would you with your videos and everything? Like, would you delegate like the editing to somebody else? Like, what would you, I've, I've never done it with my videos for that because of everything we just talked about, but various different, like with my old blog, I tried having other people write for it many times. I wrote for it once. Oh, did you? Yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. I don't remember. I wrote like, a, it was like 2012 probably, but I wrote a, uh, yeah. where to film your band's music video, like top eight locations, like, you know, 
something and guy. You know, it's just some shit like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I tried that, and people always told me like, "Hey, these other people are cool, but like, we really want you to write it." Like, this is what we're here for. I'm like, well, all right. Like, I sort of had in my head that I thought it would be cool to have this just be a collective of, like, whatever, 20 different people that wrote. But people kept saying they wanted me to do it or trying to think of some other examples that I could share without putting anybody on blast. But, you know, just various different times. And I'm not saying, like, oh, I let someone try it and they fucked it up. It's not like that. It's more like, well, I took my hands off the reins and people said, hey, we'd actually prefer it if you did have your hands on the reins. See, and I think I think it's important for people like us to do that from time to time, but I really think it's just going to come back to like us doing our shit, you know? Yeah. And that's why I've never I've never outsourced anything with my videos. I've done everything myself for this exact reason. Uh, I would love to outsource it because it's a lot of fucking work. I just don't think that's the right call to make. And I think you have to know as a creator of any kind, like what are the things I need to hold on to and what are the things I, I can let go of? Because if you let go of the things you're supposed to hold on to, that's bad news. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It, it, it can lose your feel to it, which is what brings people to it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Or, if, you know, like with a recording, like what if you uh, if you if you didn't really like the snare sound on this song and you're like, well, I don't want to be a dick and like I don't want to say anything. Every time you hear that fucking snare for the rest of your life, you're going to be wincing like ah. Yes. Ah. And you're not going to like that record and you're not going to like really believe in it. You're, you know, you're not going to be as confident because, you know, you pushed out in the moment and didn't just say, hey, can we, uh, can we, you know, just work on that snare a little bit? I'm obnoxious as fuck for that reason. I'm like, hey, there's a frequency that I'm hearing in that keyboard. I kind of just want to like try and EQ that down. They're like, what frequency? I'm like, just trust me. <laughs> just like solo. It's going like, ah, like I want you to just right. like, like ah, you know, like, like fucking bring it down. Just. It's kind of shrill. And they're like, okay. And then they do it. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, it feels so good. Even if nobody else can hear that, if that's what it takes for you to believe in it, then it's worth it. No, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Like, and you know, even if, even if someone's like, that was kind of difficult, as long as you then take that and like how much you believe in it and you go, whoosh, and, yes. you know, like you push it out there. Like, cause that, that might be the push. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, they'll, uh, you know, with any of these things, as long as things end up being successful, everyone will forget about all the annoying shit along the way. Absolutely. On the other hand, if the album's a flop, they're not going to remember how nice you were. No, fuck no. They're going to be like, oh yeah, what happened to them? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> they suck. They flopped. Well, see, that's another reason that I've like micromanaged so much because I'm like, if this shit tanks, yeah, it'll be a bad day or two for so and so, but like, right. this is my fucking life. Like, fuck you. Like, like you yep. know, it's like very. If the album blows up, they'll be like, ah, hey, you know, Austin's kind of picky in the studio, but you know, it's fine. Like, you know, the the results <laughs> speak for themselves. You know. Yeah, but if it tanks, they're like, fuck that guy. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that's an important lesson. I, I really don't like, I don't like upsetting people. I don't like, my, my wife makes fun of me all the time because like we're at a restaurant. If they fuck up my order, I never say anything because I don't want to, I just don't want to be a pain in the ass. Oh, that would bug me. I'd be like, dude, just, it's not a big deal. Just like ask them to. Uh. Yeah, exactly. She's like, <laughs> yeah. why don't, but they got it wrong. Why don't you just tell them? And I'm like, I don't want to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> but, you know, there's times where you do have to be a pain in the ass. And that's just kind of, that's a struggle for me. Yeah. Damn. I don't worry. I would fix your order on your behalf. <laughs> like, no, oh, excuse me. Come here. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
my uh, my old boss and friend, we interviewed uh, a guy once. We, we went out to lunch with him for, you know, kind of his first interview. And my boss, and this is for a design job. Uh, so my, my boss would have been the person giving this guy uh, feedback on his design work. My boss sent his suit back three times <laughs> on the third time. He's like, they put like this kind of like sauce in it. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm so sorry, but could you... Could I have it one more time, but with like thirty percent less sauce in the soup? <laughs> and I could just see my—I could see my friend be like, "Oh, no. like the or sorry, the guy we were interviewing was just like, oh no, this is the guy who's going to review work.' Oh God, no! <laughs> and that, he's not like so that at all. But on the yeah. third try, I'll just be like, oh, like you can have mine. I don't give a shit. Give me the sauce one. Like, let's. <laughs> yeah. So it just—it's—it just tastes mildly curdled. Oh my God! Damn it! I hate that. Yeah. But it you know, it's gotta be tough, especially being the you know, the front man of a band, you know, people who have a reputation for being like picky divas, uh, that would be especially hard for me to, you know, I would feel I would feel extra pressure not to be that person. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is though. Because let's say the label makes a decision, right? And you're like, hmm, okay, and it fucks up. No one's gonna be like, ah, oh, the label flops. Nope. No, that's not how it goes. They're like Ah, oh, Austin, yeah, like, oh, dude, they fucking fell off. I'd be like, it wasn't yeah. me, <laughs> you. Like, <laughs> but it was you fault. because you let it happen. Yeah, and like you're you're the face of their like fucking clownery where they're like, yep, yeah, this. You know what I mean? But Benji and Joel are also good about protecting us from that. What's interesting that a lot of artists, I think, don't really take ownership of their career in that they they sort of forget that your manager works for you and you know the label you know doesn't exactly work for you but kind of you know yeah. they don't really act like they are in charge right dude i remind friends of that constantly where they're like dude yeah i can't get like so and so i'm like yo you're allowed to fire them i yeah. can dude like i've had friends where i'm like your team sucks ass. They keep submitting you for the same two tours and like they're garbage. Don't do that. Like if you fire them today, I will fucking help you like get something like something, anything better. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. People forget that. Man- and also some, Oh my, our manager won't let us like, what do you mean? Your manager won't let you. Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense. That's like the manager being bossed around by the cashier. It's like, what are you fucking doing? But it's just, Oh my God, that, and another good thing about them, I, this, this just feels like like an ad for their management <laughs> at this point, but they I'll remind me them. where they're like, remember, dude, like we work for you. Like I will back what you say. I'm just going to, I will give you my input every time, but like ultimately we will do whatever you want and we'll fucking go. And I'm like, yeah. Because <laughs> they've been on the other side of it. Exactly. Like they, it's not just like some random fucking dude that's like, oh, I can tell a band what to do. Right. I know, I know best. Right. Dude, actually... I won't say who it is, but there's a like pop punk band's manager who told Benji and Joel the day after we met them that, or no, no, the day before we met them that he manages us. <laughs> and we had not even, like, we had hung out with the dude before, but like never even like talked about it. And they, they brought it up at that first lunch. They're like, so you have this manager, like, they're, they were like thinking about hiring him just to get us. And you're like, we what? And I was, he was like, yeah, like blah blah blah. Like his name, like let's say it's Sean. It's not, but they're like, they're like, yeah. So you're managed by Sean. I was like, what? And like I saw their faces. 
I was like, no, we're not. And they're like, they kind of look at each other. They're like, interesting. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> they're, they're never going to be like, what? Like, but they're just like, yeah. they're, they're so fucking zen. It's crazy. But they're like, huh? All right. And they kind of like, I, I see them like look at each other like, okay, that's interesting. So, oh, and like continued on. They weren't like, they probably have that like brother telepathic communication <laughs> shit. Thing. Yeah, yeah, they can like just beam thoughts which of these kids are dumb shits that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean they're they're doing a good thing for just the culture in general, like alternative and rock and stuff like that. Dude, it's fucking a lot like you're doing. Where dude, and I I'm, I'm going to I'm going to just go ahead and talk about your channel like you're not here right now. But go for it. It's so fucking important for all alternative and rock. So it's, it's like, there are a lot of channels and I, I watch them where they talk about rappers, like the rise and fall of so-and-so, whatever, did this flop? Like blah, blah, blah. And you know, they have like the thumbnail and I do this and there's a bunch of channels, they get a lot of views and it makes it feel like that, that part of, you know, like culture more important because it's being so looked at and it's so like yes. documented. People are talking about it. Yeah, and so it's yeah, it's like it's worth knowing and documenting. It's like a almost like a historical thing. I mean, if people wrote ten books about this thing, it must be important, right? Right, like dude, I wind up watching videos on people. Like I'm like, I don't know who Polo G is. What's what's he up to? You know what I'm saying? Like I do the same too. The the sad history of so and so. I'm like, yep. oh, this is a You're 25 like, oh, minute about, video about this guy. I have fallen asleep the last four nights watching the epic rise and fall of stitches you know the guy with yeah, the. i just watched that one did you i still yeah. have it pulled up like right now it's a good video yeah dude, it is i keep getting to the part where the game knocks him out and then i fall asleep it's very funny yeah. but shout out all of that but but what I was getting Ross. At, it's, like, it's like what you're doing is such a fucking important thing because it's actually like making note of it and not letting it just be like a hidden thing that kind of flies under the radar on Twitter, even if it goes like viral for a couple of days or whatever. Like how weird is it that until I did this, like nobody made a video about like that, about Bring Me the Horizon. Dude, I agree. I don't even think my video about them is great, but it exists. Chill out. It's good. I like it. But I'm saying it's just, it's such an important thing and it makes what we all do that much more important. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it like it recognizes what is happening in alternative and it makes it important enough to acknowledge, which in turn just elevates the entire thing. It's, it's just a very fucking good thing that you're doing. Well, I, I appreciate it. The one thing I would add to that that I don't do compared to those channels, if you notice, I have never and never will do a rise and fall of so-and-so video. Yeah, because... You're not an asshole. <laughs> no, I think it's fucked up to like point out someone's failures. I mean, there's, you know, there's a time in which you have to sort of talk about that, you know, if, if it happened, like, well, this album wasn't popular, here's why. But I feel like, uh, and I know I would get a lot more views if I did this, why Water Park sucked after their second album, you know, would definitely be a more popular video. Even if you do a little twist on it and you're like, see, it didn't actually suck. It's just this. And it wasn't received because these people are dumb. Like it wouldn't matter because the perception is now Water Park sucks. Exactly. And, and the thing I keep in mind is that I know pretty much everybody that I talk about in a video is going to see it or one of their friends or people on their team or whatever is going to see it. So I 
consider like would i be comfortable saying this if the person was standing right next to me is how i think about it that's because you're not an you're not an asshole and you're not here's the thing you're not click focused like you can tell when you watch your shit that you care about the culture and like i mean i followed you for long enough to be like he's like a fucking historian he knows like like so fucking much about like such like a specific thing and it's like important because it's like a it's just like an like i'm i'm that way with a lot of bands from you know sure. like, earlier too like where i have so much useless information like i can list <laughs> fucking a hundred local bands from houston and like i'll never be able to do anything with that information but like i know but you have it and you like you use it in an important way and it's good well i i appreciate that i just uh, it's frustrating to me that i i know that if i was more negative that the channel would be bigger but then it would be something different and mm. uh you know i i look at it as like not that i'm on anybody's side necessarily but when i make a video i feel like i'm speaking to the artist more than anything else you know i want to make sure like if if random people think it's cool like that's great and i appreciate it but i want to make sure more than anything else that if the artist watches it they think it was fair even if they didn't like it even if they disagree with me i want them to at least think well that was you know a, a fair take unless the artist is a crazy asshole which sometimes they are but for example when i do these videos about like ronnie radke or franz like you know these are controversial people and i i did the crazy thing of reaching out to them beforehand to get their input on it you yeah. know which like <laughs> it's just weird to me that people don't do that it's like well if you're gonna make a fucking video talking about somebody why don't you just at least try to reach out and see if they'll give you the facts right it's gonna pay you back in the long run not being I think like so. a negativity spewing, like not not basing it off of like other people's failures, like doing it in a positive way, like that's going to come back to you. Well, and, I, and to your point, you know, I, I do hope that this stuff can be documentation of something. I mean, I have that video about Attack Attack that has 300,000 views. There it is. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, seems like a stupid thing to make a video about, but you know. No. It was a moment. No, definitely not. And, you know, I would hope that if people watch that in 10 years or something like that, that, you know, that they'll uh, feel like I did that moment justice as opposed to like optimizing for talking shit so that i could get more clicks that month or whatever all right because it's so easy to be like and they pose like what and do like a fucking yeah. face well, I, I do those in my thumbnails just because i think it's funny so it's like why don't you stop making those thumbnails that look like they're for Fortnite videos for 11 year olds like that's the point oh dude how dope would it be though if you got like the Fortnite fan base i don't know if i would yeah i don't, I don't know that's uh you can ask christopher drew how that works out <laughs> Yo, our very first tour was opening for them. Isn't that crazy? Oh wow, was it? I didn't know that. It was Never Shall Never in Metro Station. Wow. Yeah, I was I was unsure because I was like, I don't. I was like, I don't think that really like aligns with what we're doing. Like you know, I've always been very conscious about like what yeah. we're next to, and even like how we're classified. Like I don't, I don't like, and this isn't shade to anyone who does do it. Like I really don't mean anything by it, but like I, that's why I, I kind of push away the pop punk label. Yeah, because, dude, like if anybody outside of like your already fan listener base thing, like if anyone sees like pop punk, like it's immediately kind of like, I don't want to say cheapen, but like it's sort of like they go, oh, it's going to be like a fun, like poo poo pee pee, like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and like it kind of cheapens is such like a it's like a mean word. I don't want to use it, but like it, it carries certain connotations with it that, you know, you don't necessarily want. Right. And the thing is, like. Yeah, of course there are going to be elements of it, like like pop rock and stuff like that. Like I grew up with some 41 Green Day, Good Charlotte, Blank, etc. But 
like I make it a point to do so much more. And like for us, I want us to be like something that can, you know, actually be a big part of like alternative culture and like rock culture. I don't want to be like, and then there was the fucking pop punk band. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not what I want. And I've always like, I've made it a point because like, yeah, you know, I'll make jokes online because I mean, like, I mean, I can be as thoughtful as I want, but it sort of doesn't matter on Twitter when you, when you've got like, you have 40 words, you know? And I don't want to be like a, it's okay not to be okay guy. Like, (laughs) it's not what I fucking want at all. So it's sort of like a, a time and place. But, and by the way, you can say that without saying it, you can get that message across even more effectively by saying it in a different way. Right. Like put, like put it in like real terms and not just like a fucking hot topic shirt from 15 years ago. Like keeping, like kind of choosing where you put different parts of your personality because like, yeah, I I like to joke around. I'm like, you know, I fuck with people, whatever. I put that, you know, on Twitter. So it's like, you know I mean? That's what people, that's like a good place for it. You know, it's like, you're funny. People find you. Like sometimes people are like, oh, I just thought you were like a funny account. Your music's crazy. You know, I get those messages and I'm like, what? Oh, you're in a band? That's sick. Yeah. But I've made it a point to never have like dick humor and I I don't make funny Mm -hmm. songs. You know what I mean? Like, right. They have a little bit of a cheekiness, but they're not like goofy. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like it at max, I want there to be like quirk. You know what I mean? But not like, and that's when I kissed my mom. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, so that's the thing is like, I, I'm very careful about where I let the humor go. Yeah. Like where, where I'll let it be placed because another thing, and it's very strange. I, I noticed it when I moved out here and I, you know, made friends with people who, you know, do comedy. Like they're like funny people for some reason. And like, I even, like I picked up on this, like in school, but I never knew really how to fully articulate it. But a lot of times when people are funny, it's not, they're not taken as seriously in other regards. Mm -hmm. And it's very strange and kind of fucked up. I'm like, you won't let this person really express how they feel because they also bring you joy and make you laugh. Like what kind of backwards? (laughs) They made you laugh once. So their opinion is invalid from here on out. It's like, it's like, no, they're a joker. Like, like, so I'm very cautious about like where I let that go. So, you know, I let it be half the things I put online as opposed to right. the music or whatever. And I still try and like balance it out with other things. Like, by the way, I'm still a musician. Occasionally I'll be like, Woo! you yeah. know, <laughs> stick a video up. But, you know, I think it's, you can't control your perception. Like you can't control how people look at you, but you can kind of guide it. You can control the raw materials that you put out there. Yeah. You know, after you put them out there, it's up to the people how they interpret it. Right. I mean, that's pretty much what that point is. I just... I feel like when you put pop punk on something, people naturally think of American Pie, and they're like, "Right, oh, you're goofy." And I'm just like, "That's not what I want for us at all." Like, and like, even if you listen, like, if you go and listen to any of the albums or even like pieces of the EPs, like before I really knew how to fully articulate what I wanted, like, there's so much more going on in it. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I yeah. want, like, with fandom even, and like with you know just what I do in general, like, I wanted to make an album where every song could live in a different world, like a different playlist. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, cool, War Crimes right here. This is like some like Gorillaz, White Stripes type shit. Throw it on like an indie thing. Worst right here. This is like an R&B instrumental, like fucking like a modern R&B thing. Like stick it over here. Like, yeah, put the acoustic one over here. Like, 
take this full on dance pop track over here now take the hard rock track but you know what i mean like and yet have them all still work together exactly and make it a cohesive thing and that's what i'd like to do because what's cool about being a band now besides making point zero 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 four cents every time someone you know hears your song it's not my fault you signed a publishing deal buddy i didn't ah! <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it's that you can make such an eclectic album because you're allowed to like so many different things and it's not just a matter because I, I feel like in like 2006 it was sort of like yeah we're a heavy band you know but it's also kind of funny because we yeah. like crunk music or some stupid right shit, right know? like on the myspace it listed as like death metal polka crunk i remember jazz yeah, yeah I, I fucking remember but now you can actually do that if, if you were good like if you can do it well sure. put a fucking polka song on your album like dude the that that my kim song called blood it's straight up that's like a polka song and teenagers is like true. a fucking blues song. Yeah. I'm like, like that, and that's that's fucking dope. And you know they package it as a rock thing, which is, but dude, that that album's just, oh my god, fucking unreal. I've noticed this about a lot of the uh, quote unquote emo rappers is they're very genre fluid in that way. And it, it, you know they'll make a pop punk song and a rock song and some acoustic song and, and then a rap shit. song. Yeah, and they all and it it doesn't seem weird. That's fucking awesome. And I just okay. What I like to try and do is, it's sort of like how a lot of newer directors, like with music videos, when they do their visuals, a lot of it is, you know, done in bedroom, done in post. You know what I mean? It's like a mm -hmm. lot of effects and overlays and stuff, which is tight. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of it. It's not, there's no anything, no double meaning there. If I'm comparing the two, like music and videos, with our videos, I like to do as much practical as I can. You know, like as much as possible. And so it's kind of like, I like to try and just make something that you can't fully just do in a bedroom. Are you the same way with music? Like, are you into committing to tones on the way in and that sort of thing? That's what I'm saying. Like I, with our songs, I think maybe 50% of it is done like before we go in. But then I also like to try and get stuff that I don't have access to here. Yeah. Things that like you wouldn't necessarily just have working out of Ableton in your room. Some crazy tube mic or whatever. Right. Doing some stuff that like you won't be able to get. Like people won't have that sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I got fucking three different tambourines and like six different shakers over there. <laughs> like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Like I got the banana. Oh, wow. I got the orange, different tones. I got the fucking apple. I got the lemon like so how do how do you see i'm i'm stupid and i would literally just download a bunch of different samples in ableton i don't have that part of my brain that cares about things existing in the physical world like that but how does it how does it change your creative process to be able to like work with the apple and the orange and and what for anybody who's listening, like he has these shakers that literally are like plastic apples and oranges. Yeah, and I got some eggs over there too. It's very yeah. like food focused. Apparently, I just made that connection. Like what the shakers do for me is it just adds so much more movement and like character and like a more organic element to what you're doing. It kind of like reminds people because what I like to do is sort of balance our songs a little bit. Where if the drums are like you know quote, fake, as like an asshole yeah. would say. Program drums. Program, yeah. If they're programmed, I like to have real guitars and real bass and like, you know, tambourine. But if it's more like, you know, keyboard and like saw mm -hmm. bass heavy or like, you know, whatever, throw the acoustic drums on there. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? I like to like balance it. That way there's always like some kind of organic element to it, which makes it more like yours because nobody can take 
that and be like no one's gonna have your sounds exact sound that was a specific moment in time a specific performance at a specific place that's like a snapshot of, with a particular performer it's a snapshot of a situation that will never again be duplicated right and you can't program that and i like to try yeah. and do that as much as possible because i mean yeah i definitely i do i use these shit out of plugins like like, dude, most of our electronics are made in FL Studio, which is, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've been on that. FL's first. great. Yeah, I love it. And you can always just, like, bring in way more fucking, you know, plugins and instruments and all this stuff to it. And, like, so it's not even just, like, the stock things, but it's all good. I've been using it since 2014 when I started you know, learning how to do all this. If anyone in a band is listening to this, dude, start recording yourselves and start doing it today. I wish I yep. started earlier. Because it's so hard to be in a garage explaining to some fucking dude, like, hey, I want my vocal to go like, like they'll be like, what? And you're just like, like, they just look at you like, or like. So you have worked with Zach Servini before, who's top notch dude. He's amazing. Actually, he just texted me like 10 seconds ago. I was moving that notification. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. What kind of pre pro do you bring with somebody like that where you really want to make sure that you're using his time? as effectively as possible. Like what advice would you have for anybody going into the studio? What kind of pre-pro would you bring to him? I like to be as prepared as possible, but there's also, I mean, there are people who work better just going in and being like, Hey, like let's make something. And you know, he'll like, the thing is he can, like people like Zach can easily be like, okay, bring out the drum machine and you know, like start somewhere. Like, boom, boom, top, boom, yeah. boom, and be like, what do you got? And they'll like have a guitar yeah. and you, know, you can figure it out. But I mean, and this comes from the micromanaging shit. I like to be, overly fucking prepared i finish the song here and then bounce out all the stems bring it to him and i go let's beat this start here yeah yeah i'm like here's the starting point it's like the end of the other thing yep and you know he's so much fucking better than i am at producing but still like maybe half the demo stays in the song you know what i mean like i think the vocals are probably like a 50 50 mix Mm -hmm. because like i mean i do like fucking with this guy right here Uh uh-huh and so that's what, like a $250 mic or something like that? Actually, I was using like a $100 one forever. And then right before Fandom, that one actually splurged a little bit. I think it was like maybe 800 Okay, still, that's not, you yeah, know, it's, you it's can not spend crazy. a lot more than that on a vocal mic if you want. Dude, the one the one that uh, we use in the studio, oh my God, you told me how much it was the other day. It was like, I think you said it was like 20 k I was just like, sure. fuck, that sucks. But it sounds so but the performance is what matters more than anything else. It really does. Cause you can sing fucking like hit all the notes and blah, blah, blah. But dude, when I, okay. It's when it's nighttime, I'll put down those things and I turn on the colored lights and I got like, I have fucking like 12 plants in here. Like, and I just kind of, what I'll do is I'll loop an instrumental and I'll just like sing a bunch of shit over it and then be like, Oh, I sang that so cool. And like, you know, we go through the vocals when I get there, like when I get in there with Zach, and I'll sing the song again and we'll kind of go through and be like, which one was cooler? And a lot yeah. of times it's like, this one sounds technically clearer, but like way more vibe on this one. So like, we'll use a lot of the demo for that reason. Dude, one thing I was trying the other day was, uh, so I saw Travis Scott at an Airbnb recording a song and like the, he had like a blanket taped to the yeah. wall and put it over his head and was doing it like that. I was like, that's a good idea. So I got this blanket. I just put it over me and the mic. And I had my phone in there with the headphones. I felt so goofy. I was like, if anyone saw this, I would look like a kid. And like well, it's going to sound way better, especially with those high ceilings you have there and everything. Yeah, because I go like, Whoop! Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like that is kind of an issue, but 
it also sort of like creates more of like a I mean, just more of a vibe with it. It's like a sensory deprivation tank, kind of. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, Zach is a wizard. And actually, I'm going to tell him we're talking about him. <laughs> but don't worry. Most of it's good. <laughs> he's, he's a fucking wizard, and he can make reverb go away. Oh, that's tough. I'm just like, what? It's crazy. I have a couple of reverb removing plugins, but they make it sound so swishy. Yeah. See, that's my problem with like DSers. I just started using them, and... I'm like, man, it totally takes like so much character out of your voice. You sound like you're in a bubble. Yeah. For man, mixing vocals, that's the hardest, like hardest fucking thing. Dude, I'm trying, I'm trying to get better at it. Cause like I'd like to be able to just take my setup. Cause it's not a ton of shit. Like a guitar, bass, acoustic, hard drives, interface speakers. I mean, you know, some shakers, of course. Yeah. And I'd love to just go to like a haunted place. And just like stay in some weird place for like two weeks and make a bunch of shit or go to Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii and I want to go. Just like take it all. Because if I'm if I'm good at like recording, then I can do that and bring it to Zach and be like, hey. I'll send you all our, our educational shit. You're going to send me your vocal chain? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I don't know if you've seen our, our company Nail the Mix, uh, but we've got. Oh, uh, I've been meaning to get on that. Yeah, I'll send you uh, access to all that stuff. We have a fast track library, which is a bunch of like tutorials with, I don't know, like Chris Crummett and Joey Dude, and hey, everybody has them. Please actually send me that because I, I really do want to learn more. I will. That's that's great stuff. The fast tracks are are very focused and they're they're I think uh, more educational than Nail the Mix. I'll send you all that stuff. You'll like it. Dude, please do because yeah, I'm so like dudes who do it on YouTube are like it's so hard to listen to. Like I'm very I'm pretty patient. But like it's thirty minutes of them being like, so you have a couple options. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, fuck, right. I'm gonna die here. I'm gonna die in this chair. I like the ones that are like the you know some students like, hello, uh, <laughs> this is Otto from Sweden. Today I'll be teaching you several <laughs> options for processing guitars. Oh my god, that's that's at least like more fun to listen to because it sounds like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I will uh, let you get back to uh, whatever you got going on because I know you got a busy day, but uh, I appreciate your time very much. I have one last question, which I'm going to start asking everybody. Wait, am I the first? Yes, because I'm, I'm going to be writing a book and I'm going to use the answers yes. to this question in the book. Oh, shit. I wish I had more time to think about it, but go ahead. Oh, it'll, it'll be okay. No pressure. So the biggest kind of pattern of, I would say, negative thinking that I have noticed in the scene is people who have convinced themselves that they will fail before they even try. That, oh, I want to do this thing, but it's not going to work because of this, 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 but they haven't even tried. What would you say to that person that you know could inspire them to just fucking try? I'll tell you what it is, and it's a piece of Benji advice that he actually him and Joel both said to me for so long like I've been sick as fuck on tour before I've been like guys I think I'm gonna fucking die <laughs> you know, or not, not quite that dramatic but you know like we don't um, get paid if you die so you're playing this fucking show <laughs> yeah just totally undo all the nice shit but what they've said and this is like if I'm in like bad moods or you know just whatever so I talk to them about like everything you know what I mean like even outside of music stuff but what they say is like 90% of what you do like you you will be 90 percent there if you just show up just mm -hmm. show up and that's like it will like as long as i mean you're good at what you do which i mean just fucking practice and just keep doing it even that, if you're just, not that good yeah just show <laughs> up that's it just fucking show up and like you're already pretty much done like think of it like a loading screen as soon right, as you right. fucking say i'm here let's go you're 90 percent done and the rest of it is just 
doing what you fucking do, doing what you like. You know what I mean? Like, I fucking play guitar and bass and you know, some piano and sing and shit. Nobody's going to like this song. Well, just make it and put it out there. Yeah, I'm like, just fucking, who cares? Like, you have so many fucking songs. Just sit here and do that. Like, just show, just do it. Sit. Like, sit and do. Like, fucking, you show up and that's it. Like, there have been many times where, like, guys, this fucking, I haven't, like, gotten the right thing for this shoot. Like, we need this kind of, Oh, fucking lens or whatever yeah and show up take the pictures like ah oh, whatever but you show up and you do it and you look afterwards and you're like those pictures are fucking dope you know it's like that's that's it just show up do it like just i, I like style above like do it but <laughs> like that's it really is it wise words cool well thank you very much uh i appreciate your time and uh dude thank you like this is dope i've wanted to do this for so long excellent well hopefully once uh the world comes online again we can see each other in person again yes absolutely and lastly let's get into a few viewer questions from king mao yadomi what are your opinions on crews like fsu for example and the culture within them I talked about this a bit in my straight edge video and I've addressed it in a few other Q and A's and I'm not commenting on any specific crew here. Uh, I have never personally had any problem with any of them. I've known some of those people. I still do talk to some of them and you know, they've done things that aren't probably great. You know, I remember certain people that I was friends with, uh, people would say, I can't believe you're friends with this or that guy. You know, he punched my friend in the face and broke his jaw and now he has to, you know, go to the hospital and he has these medical bills. I can't believe you're friends with that guy. And my response to that is like, what do you want me to say? Like, I don't, it's not my job to call him and say, you know, you're bad. You shouldn't have done this thing, especially because 90% of the time when you find out the whole story behind the thing, the person who got their ass beat typically did something to bring it on or ask for it. Or, you know, maybe the response was a little bit strong. Maybe, you know, maybe they said something, maybe they mouthed off to that wrong person and maybe they didn't deserve to have their nose broken. But on the other hand, maybe they shouldn't have mouthed off to that person. You know, one of the people in particular, I'm thinking about one of my best friends in Cincinnati who maybe will listen to this. I don't know. Uh, you know, he, you look at him and it's pretty obvious that he's not the dude to be fucked with. You know, he has a big scar from where he got his throat cut. You know, he's missing a bunch of teeth. He's got a ton of like raggedy jail type tattoos. Like it's very obvious that this is not the guy you want to start a fight with. And yet people would start fights with him and talk shit to him all the time and then cry when they got their ass kicked. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, for better, or for worse, like violence is just a part of hardcore and punk, but you know, especially hardcore. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing necessarily, but it's just part of the deal. And if you don't like it, maybe hardcore is not for you. And I would say that, you know, it's like the same with death metal. Like death metal has lyrics about like gory, you know, over the top shit. And if you don't like that, then maybe death metal is not for you. You know, I think lyrics like that are pretty stupid, but that doesn't mean there's something wrong with death metal. It just means that maybe I don't, you know, that stuff isn't for me. So crews aren't great. And I think the people in those crews would largely agree with me that that's probably not the best thing to do with your life. But the people who are into that stuff, you know, there's this idea 
idea that they're jock bullies or something like that. That's not true. Like most of them, you know, most of them come from kind of a fucked up background. And if you look at it, you know, somebody is doing fucked up violent things. It's probably because they grew up in fucked up violent circumstances. Does that make it okay? No, but I think it does help to understand them a little bit more. And, you know, I think... I think what a lot of people don't understand when you're dealing with like street people, if you treat them with respect, 99 times out of 100, everything's going to be fine. Where I think people go wrong is that they think they can talk shit to these people and get away with it. That's not how the world works. So I think that they actually, in some ways, serve a valuable function of reminding certain people that your actions and words have consequences, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I hope that made sense. It's a complicated subject, but I hope that made sense. From Phil Foes, what do you think of the 2000s underground hip-hop scene and their connection to metal, such as Necro and Vinnie Paz and hardcore like Danny Diablo and Mad Child? I don't really listen to a lot of that stuff, but I appreciate it. It's cool. Like, you know, uh, Necro had some, you know, like you said, he was definitely ahead of the curve. Necro and his brother Ill Bill were in this band called Injustice back in late 80s, early 90s, like kind of a Sepultura, like thrash death metal kind of band that was cool. I liked the album that Necro did, uh, the prefix for death, where he had like Sid from Slipknot and, you know, the guys from Hatebreed and stuff on there. I thought that was pretty cool. The more just like hip hop stuff that they did I don't really care for because it's that kind of 90s 2000s New York underground style that I just don't really like um Mad Child um yeah he's a good rapper but it's just I just don't care for that style but I totally respect what he does his lyrics are great Uh, it's just not for me uh Danny Diablo I'll never say anything bad about Danny (laughs) Uh, I think it's cool he's been doing that stuff you know for way longer than almost anybody other than you know like Necro and Ill Bill and stuff and uh you know he was ahead of the curve on that. He forged a path that now was kind of expected, but it definitely wasn't expected when he started doing that in, I don't know, like if you listen to the Scarhead stuff from like the late 90s, like 98, and they have a demo from 2001, I think, that's kind of going that direction. He was doing that shit 20 years ago, which uh, is very ahead of the curve. And especially that like Scarhead 2001 demo, I think it is, which... I don't think was ever released officially, but you can find it on YouTube and stuff. I actually really like that a lot. So you're right. There is a lot of history there, and I think it's interesting to look at. And, you know, to me, all the trap metal and emo rap and stuff is sort of the spiritual successor to all of that stuff. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.